Chapter 19 of Secretary Hawkins in Cuba. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Secretary Hawkins in Cuba by Secretary Hawkins. The Lame Man's Message. For several days, all of us at Villa Casanova listened for sounds. Link's story about the rattle of chains that he imagined he had heard had caused a deep impression. And when Link's father said that he and Valdez also had heard sounds of rattling chains on the racks of Casanova, Uncle Lucio grew very grave. And while he did not say anything about what he was thinking, I knew that he had taken a serious meaning out of it. He told us not to think right away that Link was mistaken, but for all of us to keep sharp ears for any similar sounds. As for myself, I halfway began to believe that Villa Casanova was haunted. Of course, I could not believe it altogether, but I would catch myself starting suddenly at any common ordinary sound, and at night my heart would beat faster whenever I heard the least stir. Often I sat up wide awake from a sound slip at the sound of Telmy, the dog, changing his place on the mat, or if Link moved in bed. I was always awake the next instant, wondering if some ghostly specter had come into the room, or expecting to see a greenish, ugly face staring at me through a window. Then, one night, just as we had all begun to get over our nervousness, and to settle down to our old regular ways, forgetting about the rattle of chains and ugly green faces. Tell me upset our nerves once more. Link was sitting up in bed when I awoke. Hurry, Hawkins, he whispered. Tell me has gone out. He just went down the hall. All right, I answered softly. Stay here, Link, and I'll not be gone long. I'll fetch the old rascal back. Dak had given orders to keep the dog in our room, so that he would not go prowling around the house at night, upsetting things and scaring us half to death by noise. So I slipped out the door in a jiffy, and I saw Telmy soft-footing it down the hall to the stairway. I did not dare to call to him, so I just ran for him and he heard my pattering bare feet coming and turned. His ears cacked and looked up at me. I grasped his shaggy neck and pulled him around, but he whined softly, and the next instant growled, and the bristles of his back stood up like pine needles. As I started to scold him, my eye cocked the glint of something in the library below. It was a light, moving slowly, and my heart leaped. I watched it as though I were in a spell. Here is what I saw. 
The library at Villa Casanova is a high-walled room with shelf after shelf to the ceiling, filled with Spanish books. About two-thirds of the way up there is a balcony around three sides of the room, with a brass rail in order to make it easy to get at the books on the top shelves. Around this balcony, a light was slowly moving. At first, it seemed to me that the light moved of itself, but gradually I could see it was a candle held in a hand and threw its ghostly glow upon a man's face, that a nothing more could I see. The face was overhung with long black hair. From its overlip hung a mustache that drooped on either side. As I watched, fascinated, holding to Chalmers' shaggy neck with a grip of steel, I saw a hand reach up into the circle of candlelight and take out a buck. The gleaming eyes under that long, black hair glanced at the book for a second, and then it was thrust back into its place on the shelf, and took out another, which likewise was put back in its place. I watched this scene for fully five minutes, and then it was suddenly brought to an end by a startling occurrence, for while the hand reached yet for another volume, there came again the sound of chains rattling. Oh, how it sounded to me there! In the stillness of night, Telmy barked at the sound and pulled to get away. The candlelight went out. I heard the sound of the prowler leaping from the balcony to the floor. But in the dark library below, I could not see a thing. There came again, louder than before, the rattle of chains, and I thought I would die of fright. Telmy broke away from me and dashed down the steps, and I heard a heavy door slam shut. Somebody touched my shoulder, and I cried out in fright, but, turning quickly, I saw it was Link standing beside me. In the dim glare of the light on the landing above, I could see that he was frightened, At the same time, I heard steps above and saw Deck and Uncle Lucio coming. That was the ghost of Casanova, Hawkins, whispered Link. I saw his picture only a few days ago. That was it, sure, same born. What's the racket, boys? asked Uncle Lucio. I told him and Deck what I had seen. Lucio hurried down the stairs and switched on the lights in the three big rooms. The living room, where the big picture hung, the library, and the dining room. Well, there's nobody here now, he sung out with a grin, as if to make us forget our fright. What's that? The grin left his face as he suddenly turned at the sound and found Telmy sniffing around the floor of the library. I went down the steps and into the library. That's right, Hawkins, said Lucio. 
get busy and see if you can find any signs left by our unknown visitor. Sure, I said. What would you call this, Uncle Lucio? I pointed to the imprint of two big footmarks on the library floor immediately below the balcony. Indeed, said Lucio, stooping to inspect the marks. Did you expect to find those footprints, Hawkins? I halfway did, I answered, because when I saw the stranger just before, his candle went out. He was on the balcony above here. In the dark, I heard him leap to the floor. I figured it would be about here that he landed. Look, the mud from his shoes is still wet. Lucio stooped and touched the spat which was covered with a sticky mud that had been shaken off as the stranger's boots had struck the floor. It's true, he said, and that proves that it was no ghost. I suppose we will have to watch for this sneak until we can catch him. But let us try to get some sleep. You boys need not to worry about anything more tonight. We will not hear from this party for a long time. He'll not try again, since he knows that we have a dog in the house who can tell when a stranger enters. And indeed, we owned a lot to tell me. If it had not been for the dog, none of us would have known that we had had a visitor in the night. Why, we could have been killed in our beds without ever knowing what had happened. And believe me, Link and I insisted that Telmy should come back into our room and stay with us. And the dog seemed to be glad to go back now and finish his sleep. Although I imagined he looked at me in a rather offended manner, because I had held him back when he might have cocked the intruder. The next day, after our lessons, I went into the library and carefully traced the big boot prints on a sheet of paper, which I placed in my packet. Then I looked at the walls again, but nothing could I find that looked anything like a secret door. Yet I was confident that there was such a door. I had heard one slam. It might have been the outside door, of course, but I didn't think it was. Gabriel was the only one who had a key that would fit every door in the house, and if he had let in somebody during the night, it was a sure thing that he was in partnership with that person. However, I did not try to settle that question at once. I went up the ladder of the library balcony and slowly passed along the shelves where I had seen the man with the candlelight the night before. The books were all Spanish, mostly novels, and I did not find much of interest to me. On the balcony floor laid one book, opened and faced downward, as it had fallen from the stranger's hand when the sound of Telmy's barking caused him to leap. I picked it up and replaced it on the shelf. 
Are you going to read a Spanish story, Hawkins? I looked down and saw Link looking up at me with a twinkle in his eye. Not yet, I replied. I was just wondering what sort of a book that old Cadger was looking for up here last night. Oh, come down, said Link. I want to show you this picture. See if you don't think it looks like him. I went down the ladder as Link ran over to one of the window seats and, lifting up one, drew forth a large, bulky book that looked more like a scrapbook. I found this the other day in my bedroom press, he said. Look, here is the picture I spoke of. The first leaf of the book had a picture pasted on it, scrapbook style. It represented a man dressed in knickerbackers and green stockings, with a brown jacket and a big, white black hat on a head that was covered with a red handkerchief. From under the red handkerchief hung long black hair, and on the upper lip the long black mustache, just the same as I had seen on the man on the library balcony last night. Underneath was written, Casanova el Mayor. Where did you find this, Link? I asked. Show me. Link took me upstairs to his bedroom and opened the clothes press door. Stand on the chair, he said, and look up. I stood on the chair and peered into the top shelf of the press. I saw a little cabinet built in the dark corner of the shelf. And there's lots of books in there, said Link. But this one is the best. It tells all about pirates and ships. Now I began to believe that the book that Link had was the one for which the man with the candlelight had been looking. But as I went slowly through the yellow pages, which had been printed by hand with pen and ink, I could not but believe I had in my hands the records of a sea captain's voyages. There were descriptions of plunder taken, names of ships and places where it had happened. Then in the rear of the book, a new hand had taken up the story. That was all I could make of it, because it was done in Spanish, and I could do little more than translate names, times, and places. I told Link to put the book back into the little cabinet and to say nothing about it at all. He said he would leave it to me, and I went downstairs to look for Lucio. But he and Doug had gone out. So we went to work on our lessons that Doug had given us to do, and after lunch strolled through the gardens with Telmy following at our heels. And then Link brought out the Red Roadster and we drove over to Will Standish's house. Will was down in his sack and we left the Roadster in the side yard and went down. Hello there, cried Will as we entered his sack. You're just the boy I want to see, Hawkins. I found your lame man. What? I yelled. He took me by surprise. It was the last thing I expected him to say. Yes, said Will. 
and if you had been here five minutes sooner, you could have met him. Here? I asked. Yes, sir, answered Will. He came peeping in at my windows first, and then around to the door. He's a sailor man, if I know what's that. He talks like one, and he says his ship has just been in and won't be here long, and he has to do what he wants to do quick. He asked me if I knew you. He called you the fat kid up in the big white house, said you would know him if I told you he had a game leg, left this note for me to give you. Will fished in his trousers pocket and drew forth a piece of dirty paper, folded so many times it was the size of a postage stamp. I was about to wash up and go up to Villa Casanova to bring it to you, said Will. You asked me about a lame man the other day. I didn't know but what you had some business with him. I have, I said softly as I began to unfold the paper. When I read what was written upon that sheet in a scrawling hand by a man who evidently had never gone to school and seldom wrote, I felt myself weakened, for there is the startling message the lame man had sent me. I won't see you alone quick. Don't tell nobody. You wait for me tonight when everybody's sleeping in the White House. You better do as I tell you. Wait for me tonight alone. You won't get hurt. I ain't got nothing against you. I want ask you some things. If you don't do so, God help you and all of them in the White House. There was no name signed to this. I looked at Will Standish to see if he were trying to play a practical joke. But he had all sincerity in his eyes. Come, Link, I said. I must go back at once. I must see Dak and Uncle Lucio. There may be more danger hanging over our heads than we really believe. Oh, can you stay a while? asked Will Standish. Come on and play for an hour or so. Your lame man won't be there before tonight. I shook my head. No, Will, I said. This thing is getting on my nerves. I must go home at once. We will be over tomorrow. That is, if I am still alive, Will laughed and said he thought that I would be. So we jumped into our roadster and hurried home. End of chapter 19